1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 385. I have a special guest joining me tonight, first time on the show. You can find his work over at Yahoo Fantasy at rotowire.com. He's on the Tuesday podcast with uh, Jeff Erickson, friend of the show. And you can find him on Twitter at Fred Zinke, MLB. Fred, how are we doing, man?
2: I'm, I'm great. I'm excited to be on.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you could join me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. It's fun getting some uh, new voices on the show, and I listen to you every Tuesday, so I might as well have you. You chat a little more with me, so uh, it, it'll be pretty cool.
2: Um, wait, I didn't. Wait, I didn't think people actually listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just me and Jeff talking, and no one was actually. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you feel like no one's listening, oh, right? Yeah. When you record podcasts, and then someone will later hit you up with a comment, make you accountable, and you'll think, "Oh, wait, I didn't think people were. I forgot people were listening to that."
1: Yeah, I thought I was just throwing stuff at the wall. We'll see what happens. That's right. (laughs) didn't know you actually held me to that standard. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, before we do get started, I know you do it. Like I said, where they could find you. Kind of plug some of the work you're working on. You have a, a lot of stuff going on.
2: Yeah, I, I have uh, a lot of articles coming out at Yahoo. I think one every day this week. Um, uh, Waiver Wire 1 came out today. Uh, we got fan- mid-season fantasy All-Stars coming out tomorrow. Uh, we were looking at some mid-season paces earlier in this earlier this week and kind of doubling them to see where some guys are on pace to, to end up. Um, and then we have some stuff coming out over the All-Star break, looking ahead to the second half. So we're not not taking the week off like some of the baseball players are. We have some stuff coming out uh, Yeah, after the All-Star break. And as you mentioned, on Tuesdays, I'm always on, uh, on with Jeff on the Roto-Wire podcast so they, that that stuff keeps me pretty busy
1: yeah it'll keep you busy writing uh people I don't think understand how long it takes to write good articles to, like actually do the research yes. it's more than just you know typing up a few words so that's yeah. good stuff you mentioned your, your talk you were looking to do like second half paces and everything I was going to ask this when we talked uh, about some players later on but I'll ask it now what are your thoughts or how are you approaching the second half with this just kind of up in the air pitching situation that we have going on
2: yeah, it's pretty terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I've been trying to bank innings all season, um, Think trying to get ahead when I can in wins and strikeouts, uh, thinking that there was a chance that we'd kind of run out of useful starters in the second half. And as we run out of useful starters, you'll see teams going to, you know, three inning starts and things like that, bullpen days. Um, So I've been trying to get ahead because, and then now I think you just have to be like really sharp, watch like a hawk, try to find those few, pitchers who emerge because I mean there are not a lot of great minor league pitchers on the radar right now I mean maybe some will emerge um, there are not many teams with deep rotations or, or starting quality pitchers in the bullpen so as we're seeing these pitchers drop like flies um, there are no replacements which is really frustrating. So I, I've been trying to get ahead where I could and using two-start pitchers maybe a little more liberally than I would have in some previous seasons. Uh, so that's been the plan so far. And that, so that if I if I need to roll three or even f- sometimes maybe in September four relievers some weeks, you know, I can do that and have some cushion in some of the accounting stats. You
1: no, know, and that makes a lot of sense. And I like how you mentioned the two-start liberally question because that's one of those – I have trouble doing that from week to week. I guess I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I'm still Gomber affected is the way I yep. see it. I'm just, it's so terrifying, but you know, there's people that rolled out Matt Manning. So like I tried to talk about it on Twitter and some people take things the wrong way on Twitter. Surprise, surprise. So, um, so that was fun. But Like I think it was on your show with Jeff or Jeff with someone else that you guys had like a civil conversation about it. Like when do you decide to use it? Cause I know you and Jeff Zimmerman this past week kind of had a, A budding of the head situation, on not a budding of the heads, but like a a decision to be made. Like, do you want your two-star guy or do you want to go with the one-star? I think it was I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's where it's like interesting and you're trying to accumulate innings, but where do you draw the line on like, Hey, this guy isn't really that trustworthy where it might just be worth the fewer innings, more quality situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing is, is you're not actually trying to accumulate innings. That's what yeah, we always say. And true. I say that, that's and true. I say that too. I, I say that too, because strikeouts come with innings and you hope mm-hmm. wins come with innings, but, but yeah, you're trying to, so, you know, you look at those two start pitchers. The first thing I'm going to look at is, you know, how many strikeouts do I think I can get? From two starts from them, which is like, I mean, you can get into their opponents and their opponents' strikeout rate, but it's it's honestly not that complicated. Go back and look at their games, their game log, and just look at what we're dealing with here. You know, Josh Fleming is about three three strikeouts a start, and you know Jacob Degrom is about ten. So like you can so you know so a two start week from Josh Fleming is only six strikeouts. So then you have to decide, is it worth it? I can get six from Tarek Skubal in one start. So, you know, then you got to look at, you know, can Fleming help or hurt my ratios? Is Skubal going to help or hurt my ratios? I mean, there's maybe a little more win potential, but I, that's been something I've been dealing with, maybe with some pitchers like Martin Perez, who are mm-hmm. kind of like a three-inning, or sorry, three-strikeout per start, three-and-a-half kind of guy. Um, with Bailey Ober, it looked like there was a little more potential to get 10 strikeouts in two starts. And uh, Mike, Mike Miner, who I also rolled out in some leagues this week with like a lot of trepidation for the two starts, but it was, it was the thought of getting the 10 strikeouts and then hope that hope that you get a win on top of that.
1: No, that, that's a great way to look at it because I guess you're not trying to shoot for the moon. Obviously, if you're playing these guys ratios, you're kind of, it is what it is situation because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's not going to be, you know, two shutouts pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want the strikeouts and you want the wins because wins are just ridiculous right now to come by. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that because I, I, I fell victim. I dropped Ober in a couple of leagues this past week. And of course, he goes and does that. So that was fun.
2: We'll see how the second start goes. Maybe by Sunday yeah. he starts Saturday, so maybe by Saturday night or Sunday you'll say, "Oh, glad I got rid of over before that second start." Um, yeah. yeah, and like you said, wins are hard to come by. Uh, I have been trending a little more towards some of the long relievers who could get you a win. Um, Jeff and I in the main picked up Ranger Suarez. Like a couple of weeks ago, before this whole maybe Ranger Suarez is the closer thing, and that had nothing to do with him. Well, it had a little bit, but not a lot to do with him possibly being the closer. And was more he was throwing three innings and an outing, and, he, and I think he had wins in three of the last four weeks, like piggybacking off of starters. So uh, I'm, I'm, I think we'll have to start looking in the second half. I try to never use starters who I don't think will throw five innings, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's just, yep. I think it's pointless. Like, like you just ate one of your nine pitching spots for what? Like, four strikeouts? Yep. Like, that's it, probably. If you don't think he's five strikeouts, like, you don't think he's going to throw five innings. Um, and that was one of my concerns with Obers. He, he had often not thrown five innings this year. So um, I think w- it, as we get in the second half, and we if you can't find guys on waivers who you think will throw five innings, then, then you have to turn to those long relievers who you think have some win potential.
1: That's a great point because I remember, like, in I think it was even last year, the year before, your Toronto Blue Jays, they were like rolling out uh, Wilmer Font in in opener roles and stuff like that. Where it was, can he accumulate enough? Which he was actually pitching well in that role somehow, but um, stuff like that as we get deeper into the season. Uh, we'll get maybe more openers, as you said, more uh, yep. shorter starts. Then you can start piggybacking those cheap wins. So that'll be a, a fun approach as well. And it makes sense. You know, obviously, if a guy's not throwing five innings to start, he's not going to qualify for the win. So you can start uh, getting some relievers in there, which I've been kind of preaching with this met- messy um reliever situation as it is, closer situation, is just almost pay for the cheapest one in the committee. And that was like Suarez at the time when you did it. And at worst, you get good ratios, maybe a win here or there. And then if he slides into a save, you're,
2: you're sitting pretty. So that's yeah, definitely a that, way to yeah, approach it. Absolutely. And you're right with the openers. Like, if, if that continue, if that happens more down the stretch, uh, f- trying to figure out which pitchers commonly follow the opener yep. can, can lead you to some cheap wins. We saw that with Ryan Yarborough a couple of years ago with the Rays. Um, there was a time, I think a couple of years ago, I was using Trevor Richards for a little while because he was following openers and you just hope that uh, Jalen Beeks, there was another one on the Rays at one point, yep. briefly, he was following openers and those guys have great chances for a win because they often pitch maybe innings like 3-6 through six or 4-7 through seven and all the teams has to do is be leading when they leave. They they could be leading when they come in, but they should be leading when they leave to get that win. Yeah, that
1: could be tremendous. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of recent news here, and some of it's just pure kind of speculation. But Chris Bryant left Wednesday's game with a hamstring injury, and Javi Baez was a late scratch Wednesday, and he's out of. I think they're both out of Thursday's lineup. So something to monitor going into the weekend with the All Star break coming up. I know we'll we should have an idea before Friday lineup blocks and NFPC come into play. But just with these lingering injuries. And the All Star break, are you more likely to probably sit these two guys or just uh, see what happens, I guess?
2: Yeah, I, I would probably sit where I can um, just because you know their teams are going to be a little cautious with them, just trying to get them into the weekend. And then, and, you know, you could get the Cubs could give those players a full like over a week off if they want to. So um, I mean, I mean, I'm sure if Chris Bryant shows up tomorrow and says I'm ready to play, he'll probably be in the lineup, but we know that they'll probably be a little more cautious than usual, figuring they can kind of just duct tape their way through this weekend. And then, you know, even if they have to go into their bench depth a little more than they normally would in a weekend and, and just get to the all-star break.
1: Especially since they want to trade these individuals. So they need them them healthy for this. Um, With that in mind, are you a Patrick wisdom fan? Are you just like, that was a, a nice run you had there, Patrick?
2: Yeah. More of the latter. I think I, (laughs) I may still have him rostered in the mixed labor league, but that's not, I I actually got him for a dollar. So it's, it wasn't like a ringing endorsement when I got him, just no one else bid on him. And, uh, which I was surprised it was the week that he was kind of hot in and everyone was bidding on him. And then, you know, I I'm I can't remember if I've dropped him or if I've just left him on my bench because I've had other players to drop. But it's been pretty it's been pretty bleak. Uh, he may see a little more action than usual this weekend. Um, but we're looking at now what's like one home run since June 23rd, so he he's slowed way down, which which I think everyone expected. His strikeout rate super high.
1: Yeah, it was going to be tough to maintain that kind of production. Uh, Clayton Kershaw went on the IEL with a left forearm inflammation. Some ex- were thinking at first just phantom Dodgers IL stuff. He's actually scheduled to go an MRI, which is telling you at least there's something there, unless they're really good at playing the bluffing game. Um, so he's gonna be out for at least ten days, maybe longer. We'll see. The Dodgers, even if you go on, um, you know, their their page on fan graphs, they only have four starters listed there. Like they're still looking for bullpen games. They have a mess of situation going on there. Maybe we see Josiah Gray. Maybe we see another prospect. How would you uh, approach this Dodger situation? Because at worst, you know, they're going to get run support. So that at least could be the, the cheap wins we're looking for.
2: Yeah. And I, I think there's maybe a David Price window here. Okay. Uh, he threw two innings last time out. Uh, you know, maybe he gets in a game this weekend and throws three. Um, you know, maybe they give him, even if it's just a like a simulated game over the All-Star break and get him up to... like like well well, let's talk more pitches he threw 42 last time out maybe he throws 50 55 in a game this weekend maybe they can get him up in the 60s in a and then by the first start like the first time they need him maybe the last time last spot in the rotation in in their first series or first uh, week back uh you know maybe he could be up to 70 something pitches so uh, i think maybe there's a chance for price and price has a really high whip but he's a really high up against so there is some chance that you know, they're they're like his FIP is three, six, five. Like he's probably been pitching a little better than his whip indicates. So I think price could be interesting. I don't think correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I don't, I'm pretty sure gray hasn't thrown much this season no. in the minors. So I don't think he's probably in an immediate, uh, answer. Uh, what I find really interesting with the Dodgers is just that with the, especially with the Giants playing so well, uh, th- th- there is a little bit of a pinch on the Dodgers now. Like mm-hmm. I think that division will just produce three playoff teams. I-, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but I think it's starting to get close. Like that, it'll, the Potteries, the Giants, and the Dodgers will all make the playoffs, but. The Dodgers don't want to be in that one game playoff and and it'll be against the Giants or the Padres. It's not easy. So uh, there is a little bit of a push now for the Dodgers. They've lost Bauer. We don't know for how long, maybe permanently. We have no idea. They've lost Kershaw for some amount of time. Like the Dodgers are in a little bit of trouble, which just shows how hard it is. Even after last year, you know, like no matter how good your team is, how hard it is to win the World Series.
1: Yeah, we always talk about, you know, depth, depth. Why does a team need so much depth? Well, you mentioned it, Bauer, Kershaw, Dustin May out for the year. Like, they had such a a slew of things that Urias, like, can he really go all season? You have to imagine they're going to have to slow him down at some time. Um, It's going to be really interesting with that team. And I'm a diehard Giants fan, and I've talked to many people on this show about it. They've asked me, actually. I thought they would be out of first place a long time ago. Like, I was like, oh, it's fun. This is cool. But they're sticking around. I still expect the Dodgers to win the division but nothing would make me laugh more than the Dodgers Padres in the wild card game. And one of them somehow not okay. make the playoffs that that's where Manfred and all the owners would really have to be kicking themselves for not, you know, doing the expanded playoffs and sharing some money because all the revenue that would have made, but yeah, good job guys.
2: I, um, I think I was going to say for, since they're your Dodgers that do you agree? I think they need to go out and just pick up an innings eater or two. Which I didn't no. see them being yeah. in that
1: position. I'm the Giants fan. I do not like the
2: Dodgers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, no Dodgers.
1: But they, gotcha. do need to, they do need to get pitching, and I don't think they thought they needed to at one point in time. But they're going to need to. I said with Urias' situation, um, even if Price comes in there, how long's Price going? He missed last season. I know he's older, yeah. but he's can go. Like, there's a lot of question marks. Does Bueller. He'd have to stay completely healthy. Like, there's a million questions in that rotation. So it's it's going to be interesting for those guys. What looked like a, you know. After last season, they be kind of their division for at least a little bit. The Padres were getting better. Like, we knew that. They were making moves. But the, the Dodgers are kind of sitting there letting them make the moves. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. They, I think yeah. they will make some uh, a couple of roster moves as we uh, get a little closer. Maybe they'll get pushed now. Like you said, they might get pinched into it with this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Vidal, Vidal Brujan made his debut for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the doubleheader on Wednesday went one for six overall with a stolen base. Rumor has it, he's supposed to be getting called back up on Friday. He's the 27th man then. Should be getting called up to take Manny Margot's spot. How aggressive would you be on him? Because you have to imagine when Margot's back, they're still going to play Margot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Bruhan has to hit to stay. Or sorry, to stay in the lineup. I mean, we don't really care if he stays on the team when Margot comes yeah. back. If he's not playing regularly, Like that's not going to help us in fantasy circles, especially mixed leagues. So um, I think... Uh, I was talking to Jeff about this on Tuesday, and, and I think the the way I see it, when when Kelnick came up, when Franco came up, they just had to hold their own. Now Kelnick didn't do that, so he ended up getting sent back down. I, I think those guys, when they come up, they just have to be okay. Like a 700, 700 even OPS would be fine. Hit two forty, hit two thirty, and they're fine, uh, and they get to stay up because they're they're that level of prospect, and their teams have that much invested in them. The Rays with Bruhan, I think, with their other options and he, he kind of resembles Margot a little bit in that in his profile of this like power speed kind of profile, like a little bit of pop and a lot of speed. Um, I think Bruhan has to be playing well when Margot comes up. Like, I think if he has a 705 OPS, he just go right back. He, they could just say, oh, forget it. You can go back down until we need you again. I think he needs to have like an 800 OPS or something like that. When Margot comes back to kind of force his way where the race say, no, we need to get this guy in the lineup every day. So I think if you're adding him right now, it's because you need steals. And because you have enough fab that you can, you you can take a chance on someone like Bruhan. And if he gets sent back down, you can either hold him and know you've wasted a bit of fab, or drop him and know that you've wasted a bit of fab. But if you're really tight with fab right now and you don't really need steals, I'm not sure if you can can bid aggressively on him.
1: Yeah, and that's the tough part. Is people will bid aggressively because, as yep. you know, and he's the the hot new topic. He's the hot name on this deal, the talents there, it's just, really get the playing time? And right now with everyone spending so much fab already, you really need to make sure he's playing. If you're going to fork over that money, um, you're talking about needing steals. You could probably get a cheaper source right now. It's not on the uh, outline here, but with Eddie Rosario going on the aisle for the uh, Cleveland Indians, they called up Daniel Johnson who already had six stolen bases and nine home runs this year in A. We've seen him get into the 20 stolen bases in 20, 2018. So we know he has some speed. Is this a guy you'd maybe, you know, if, if you, Put your Bruhan bids in, but maybe put some for Johnson right below that. Or what do you have any thoughts on him?
2: Yeah, I'd probably aim high with higher with Bruhan. I just think there's more ceiling there with Johnson. um, Like it's a really limited sample, but so far he hasn't shown any ability to hit in the majors. He's got between this year and last year, 26 plate appearances and 12 12 strikeouts there, Um, and and one hit. So not great so far. But but there's speed there. So hey, a dollar, two dollars, he sits on my bench you know, for, or for that short week, or maybe I use them if I, if I really need steals for that short week after the all-star break. And then I'll just see where things go from there. I mean, the Rosario injury wasn't supposed to be a really bad one, but it's still an oblique. And once you end up on the mm-hmm. aisle with an oblique, you rarely come back in the minimum. So I would assume he'll at that, you know, Johnson or someone will get an opportunity to play maybe at least the first 10 days after the break.
1: Yeah. And with those oblique injuries, they can reaggregate really quickly too. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun as well. Uh, he has money Grandal back to the IL for a while now had surgery on a torn knee tendon, which never sounds good. They're saying he's only out four to six weeks. I'm, it must've just been a, a simple tear somehow. Um, I put out a poll like, are you dropping him as more for, for NFBC people, no IL leagues? I think the answer is yes. Unless you disagree, let me know. But um, what's your thoughts on trying to hold Grandall or who are you trying to replace him with? Because you can stream catchers this year, which is very fun.
2: Yeah, there are some some catcher streamers right now. I mean, you can look right within the White Sox and go with Zach Collins, who mm-hmm. I think got a couple RBI the other night. Um, I think Collins is, it depends. Like, I, I kind of monitor his usage uh, the rest of the week. But I mean, uh, he's not awesome, but in the world of catchers, like he's hitting two thirty six this year. It doesn't kill you. Um, if he's playing regularly in a really good lineup, I think that that could be fine, but there have been, you're right. There have been catchers recently. I don't think they're probably on waivers in the NFBC leagues right now. Like, I think they're kind of gone right now. Like Eric Haas and, uh, Luis Torrens and some of these guys who have emerged as, as quite valuable, um, i think if if you're if you're a grand doll owner if i don't see anyone i like this weekend i might just take collins and then just evaluate it week to week and and just be working the wire every week to try to find the good thing about the catchers when you try to pick them up is there's going to be a lot of teams in your league that aren't even interested they don't need them at all so they'll so you're only bidding against i don't know half your league maybe even less
1: yeah like last week i needed a catcher i can't remember who i had to drop but I just put three $1 bids in on catchers, and I got one. And I got Jake Rogers, so that works for me. But, like, Luis Torrens is out there in certain leagues, not a ton. Um, if you want to get really – if you're going really deep, uh, Jonathan Lucroy is now the starting catcher for the Braves. I don't know what that's all about, but, yeah, that happened. Um, let's talk about a former Blue Jay that just – I don't know. The hype train's great. you got to love Rowdy Telez. Everything about Rowdy Tellez is fun about baseball. He hits the ball extremely hard. Strikes out a ton, though. Uh, gets traded to the Brewers, which they already have a Vogelbach there. Um, what's your take on that one?
2: Yeah, so I think I think Vogelbach's probably out another month. So I think Telez has probably got that month to show them that he could be there every day for a space. I mean, Teles was like a bit, I felt like a bit of a fantasy darling coming into this season. And I get it. Like he had an 886 OPS last season. Um you know but it, albeit like 113 at bats but he he looked good last season. Uh, I've watched as a lot since he's played his whole career on the Blue Jays. Um he doesn't make great contact I find and this year especially. He didn't like a lot like a lot of weekly hit balls this year. Uh, he just never could really get going and then the Blue Jays roster and lineup is so deep that uh, at the beginning of the year like Teoscar was out briefly and they kind of needed him and then eventually they just didn't need him anymore. And then he couldn't get consistent playing time. He's down in the minors. I don't think. I'll be honest. I don't think Teles is that good. That being said, um Milwaukee's a good place to hit. They have a need at first base right now. Keston Hira, I, I still think is is mostly lost, and I think they think that too. I think Tellez is, I think they traded for him. Like they traded Trevor Richards, yeah. um, who and bullpen arms are valuable right now. So they like they, they traded some. I mean, Richards under contract. Richards is under contract for a few years. So I think the Brewers are going to give Teles. The rest of July to play a lot, maybe against all righties and maybe some lefties and, and see what, what they can get. So in a 15 team NFBC league, if I needed some power, uh, I think he he's worth I, I'm not spending a lot, but he's worth a single digit bid for and, and then just kind of see what happens. So I, but I'm not super op- optimistic that this is going to really get him going. I mean, but he has had his moments in his career
1: he's he's very streaky as you know so when he gets going he gets locked in and he can he can help you a ton if you're in need of power that's one of the biggest things and we'll talk about it in a, in a few minutes here but if you need power like you kind of start sacrificing things so I, we can get to that subject shortly but i like that idea with rowdy Telez. i was one that i've loved him every year just because i the the stack page just bleeds red and it's beautiful but the overall production just doesn't ever match up which is very frustrating because not all not all players uh, live up to the hype, which, which really stinks. Uh, last bit of news here, Anthony Rendon back to the I.L. Again, third time this season. Um, right now, the, the Angels look like they have Jose Rojas or Phil Gosselin playing third base, kind of all over the board. Um, Anthony Rendon just continues. to He's not having a great year to begin with, and now he's back on the I.L. Are you going to go look and try to grab a, a, a Gosselin, or are you just going to look pray there's a third baseman somewhere else? Because that's a very, very empty position.
2: It is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, you can grab someone like, I think Jace Peterson might be third base eligible. Yeah, it's kind cool. of hot and on a bit mm-hmm. of a heater with the Brewers. Like, maybe get you through a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, I had someone ask me on Twitter this week, like, could you drop Rendon? And, like, your first response, like, like used to playing these deep NFPC leagues is, like, you can't drop Anthony Rendon. But then I started thinking, and I was like, I don't know, like, a 10-team t- league, like a 10-team Yahoo league, and my, and my IL spots are full. Uh, the interesting th- I've never been a big Rendon guy. I've always felt like he's a better real baseball player than he is a fantasy asset. Um, he hits for average, which is great and really valuable, but he really doesn't steal bases. Like, he's had a couple years earlier in his career where he got to double digits, but mostly you're expecting like five steals. So not a big impact. And outside of the 134 homer year, which was kind of the, the happy fumble 2019 year, um, you know, he's kind of like a 20 to 25 homer guy. So like he he's a really good player in real life and he's a good contributor in fantasy. Like if he can hit 300 with 23 home runs, that's good. But it's not like jaw dropping. It's not amazing. And, it, and he just hasn't been able to get on track this year and he hasn't been able to get healthy. I in. I was inclined to say to the person who asked me, like, I think you got to ride this out another injury with him and give him another chance. But I, I'd probably be like one more injury away from dropping him. Like if he comes back from this in late July and then there's another injury in August, I think I'd just maybe write it off as just a bad year. Like I said, I think he's a, a fabulous, real baseball player. Mm-hmm. But in fantasy, like he's just not a stat stuffer. Like he does. He's not going to hit 35 homers ever again. He's not going to steal 15, 20 bases ever again. It's not happening.
1: No, I'm with you there. That's that's the frustrating thing with him. And there's always someone in your league that likes him a lot because so you look at the mm-hmm. ADP all over the place. Like he's getting drafted. And it's just one of those where I'm like, Yeah, no, I can't do it. Now if you fall, we'll talk, but this he never falls. So um, but I agree, like he has a great that's why teams pay him the money because he's a great real life baseball player, what he does to that ball club, but he just cannot stay healthy right now, which is an absolute shame. And then you mentioned potentially dropping him. It is going to become a point there because there is so many injuries right now. There is so many, like we talked about pitching at the beginning. You might rather stash like three or four questionable pitchers than stash an in- injured Anthony Rendon as the season goes on, type thing to stream pitchers uh, as the season goes on. So that'll be quite interesting as well. Um, last bit of news here: it was announced on Thursday morning. Eloy Jimenez is going to start a rehab assignment on Friday. Talk about um, jumping the proverbial timetable like this. There was a time when we thought he was out for the season. Everyone was dropping him. He's been picked up in most leagues since then, obviously. But uh, his interview, of course, he's, he's all high hopes. He said he's feeling 120, 130. He goes, not 200%. So he's, he's feeling great. But um, if Eloy is out there, how aggressive are you to go grab him right now, knowing any little setback could just completely ruin this?
2: Yeah, I I'd still be if I needed that skill set which is just like a really good hitter with no speed, I would I would be very aggressive. And yeah. if there's a setback, there's a setback. Like sometimes you just have to go for broke. Like if 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 he was out there in like a 12 team league or something still um You know, I I, like and and I needed like like batting average, home runs, RBIs kind of thing. Like he could be the the White Sox have been doing great this year without him and Luis Robert. Uh, They may get them both back, right? Like in August, (laughs) and and then you take that lineup and add both of them to it. Like that's outstanding. And I do think out of the two of them, I like the I like them both. Uh, I had Robert ranked higher. Uh, during draft season because of the space stealing that being said Robert is like like he's more of a high strikeout guy Um, I feel like he's a little more finicky like he could have a really I just think Jimenez maybe has a better chance than Robert to come back and hit the ground running I just like his maybe his skill set and his just overall plate skills better than Robert's like I said the steals with Robert give him a higher fantasy ceiling, but if he doesn't come back and start running right away, then I, I, then I think I'd rather have Jimenez. There's a better chance Jimenez hits for average. They can both hit for power. So uh, yeah, I would be, I would be super aggressive on, on both of them. In fact, I looked at stashing Robert in some leagues recently, and I didn't feel like I had the bench space space to do it. And now they're gone. Um, But that White Sox lineup could be, yeah, could be dynamite by maybe early to mid August.
1: All right, I got a question for you. Would you rather, and okay. it's, probably, it's probably simple because one's timetables appear shorter, but he has not stayed healthy at all. Would you rather stash Alberto Mondesi or Luis Robert right now?
2: Yeah, so the cop out answer is it just depends how much I need steals yeah. as to whether I'd stash Montesi because Montesi is just such a unicorn that way. Um, I would say I would probably stash Montesi right now. Yeah. I, I know he's been like so frustrating this year, but I'll go all the way back to preseason. Like, I had him ranked valued higher when both players were healthy. So, if I did still have some need for steals, I know I know where like. It's the same as Rendon. When they keep going on and off the IL, you start to really feel like they're never going to get healthy mm-hmm. this year. But at the same time, he hasn't had anything as significant as what Roberts had. So I sure. guess I would go, unless I was safe in steals, I guess I'd go modesty. Who would you rather have?
1: I think I go modesty too. The thing is I'm pretty safe in steals. Cause I kind of got that taken care of. I had a lot of Whit Merrifield chairs, which has saved me. Yeah. yeah. But um, I would probably still go modesty because I'm actually a believer that he actually has decent power. Like not, not Luis Robert power. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but I think he's still a 15 to 20 homer guy in a full season. Like he's got that power. So I'd probably go Mondesi, but it's, uh, it's a little sketchy for sure. Um, Let's talk the art of the trade. And the reason we are going to talk to Fred about this is he is one of the most like savvy trade guys I've heard. Like whenever I hear your trade analysis, you're, you're very active in trades. Um, You win a lot of leagues doing this, especially uh, expert leagues. And not everybody's good at trading. Not everybody wants to trade. Um, There's reasons for that. They either think they're losing the deal or there's a a lot of factors that come into play in a trade. So I just wanted to pick your brain on what makes it so easy is not the word, but what allows you to make so many trades with so many different people? Like, do you just have like a niche circle that you know you can trade with or do you try to trade with everybody in your league?
2: Yeah, so I, in all honesty, I don't trade as much as I used to. That's not for any baseball-related reason. It's more thanks to my children and yeah. just not having <laughs> it's the time. time. Consuming. It's yes, very it time consuming Yeah, very time-consuming. It is. I, it's the the time maybe to and yeah to make the trades. But I still try to trade when I like as much as I can. Um, I don't have an itch circle uh, in all of my leagues. Um, you know, I try to get to know everyone. Um, I feel like they're all like everyone else in my league is an open door to possibly have a trade. There will be times in a league where uh, I'll get, get to know someone a little bit over the season or over multiple seasons. And I'll be like, oh, that guy just doesn't really like to trade. Like the responses I get back from are usually late and they're usually short and they seem, or sometimes they seem kind of annoyed or this guy gets flies off the handle quickly. So I'm just going to like, he's going to be like my last option to trade with. I still might trade with that person, but it would be more of a situation of, it would have to line up like perfectly. And I would just start by coming in with my best offer because I know that person's grumpy and maybe, or not communicative. And I would just say, okay, I'm just, this one makes so much sense that just, one good offer i think this could get it done and if and if you won't do it then i'll just move away i do like i do kind of prioritize different people in my mind of you know this guy's pretty open to trades this guy likes to talk this guy's better at getting back to you and then these couple people aren't really as active and, and aren't really as into it as much so but i definitely I try to keep everyone open because because you kind of need to like if especially if you're looking to fill needs or trade away from a surplus like it's hard. Like there's not a hundred other teams in your league. Like you need to look around and if, if, if you've got saves to deal and someone needs saves, like you got to approach. Them. I feel like you have to approach them.
1: Yeah, no, and you do. And that's the hard part because you, you hit on so many funny things because a, it's time consuming, which is reason why I don't trade very much at all between, you know, other real life jobs, podcasting kids, the works. It's just times tough. Times very tough. And, uh, you need to be able to get the back and forth because someone's coming to you for a trade because they need something more in the now, not like three weeks from now. So that's kind of an important factor on both sides of the spectrum. So that makes things challenging. Um, There are tons of people that are like, nope, screw you, or this isn't good enough. So I'm with you there. Um, One thing you did say, though, is you you might just go straight to like this really good offer. When you send your first offer to a guy you know you can go back and forth with or another opponent you know you can go back and forth with, is it like a 70-30 advantage 60 40 how do you go about it because in the end both sides need to pretty much kind of win the trade mm-hmm. but what do you go with trying to uh to i wouldn't say fleece them but how are you trying to how aggressive are you basically
2: yeah so I, like i i really mix it up depending on the situation like like sometimes, even if it's someone who's willing to go back and forth, sometimes my first offer is like an offer that I think is my best offer and an awesome offer and a like, you can't say no, this makes so much sense offer. Um, s- sometimes I might be looking a little more for value and um, it kind of depends. Like it kind of depends maybe how much do I need to get this trade done or versus how much do they need to get this trade done? Like are they in a situation where I feel like they really need the, like a starting pitcher and I, I can get them one and they might have to get, but they really need it. And they might have to give up a little bit of val- overall value uh, to get it. Um, or, or maybe it's a situation where I'm the one who, who really, really needs something. And I'm like, okay, I like, if I can go, e- go even value, uh, I'll be fine with that. Um, my approach shifts as the season goes along. Like I'm more looking for what I consider value in my rankings, at least early in the season. And then about now I'm more looking for fit. And you right. Because like, like uh, I've always said, I've got to be willing to unbalance my roster in April and May trade away. My only closer trade away. My only two closers have four closers, whatever. And, but just to get value. And then now is the time of year when I need to start getting like working on certain categories. Um, But yeah, I really mix it up. And the other thing that's interesting about trading is you realize quite quickly, like we just don't all value players the same. Bingo. Uh, Like, like sometimes we don't all value skill sets the same. Like I may value closers a lot more than you do, or you may value them more than I do, or just within the closers. I may think that Craig Kimbrell's one of the top five. And you may think back to the previous two seasons and be like, I know he's doing well, but like for me, he's barely in the top 10. So I try to, what I try to do is give the other owner a lot of control over the process. So if I have three closers and I'm approaching you, I'll say like, Hey, like, which one of these guys do you want to talk about? Like, we all know that maybe my best one's Hater. And then I've also got this guy and this guy. But like, which one do you think you would want to talk about? Like, do you want to go big and try for Hater? Or do you want to go like medium and try for this guy? Or kind of go cheaper and try for this guy and let you control it? Or maybe I have three guys who are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'll i say to you, like, they're all kind of similar. You just tell me which one you want. And let's worry more about what I'm going to get in the deal. You're going to get a closer. You can pick the guy you want. So I try to give the other owner a lot of control over it because we don't value the players the same, and uh, let let them go with their projections and their rankings and get the guy they really feel good about.
1: I think that's a very good point because that's usually something I try to do. But again, I'm not a very successful trade partner. Like I just, <laughs> it never seems to work out very well. But when people come to me, they go, "Hey, it's so and so available." I'll go, yes. And they go, well, what do you want? And then I go, well, what's available on your team before I start just picking off everything I want? Because then they're like, no, no, no. Um, I try to make it like, let's narrow down the player pool real quick. Tell me what you're looking at. Tell me what I'm looking at. We can, you know, maybe ne- negotiate at that point in time. So that's that's kind of an approach I take. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> but um, I, 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 do, I do like the, um, the points you make that we don't value players the same way. We don't value school, skill sets, even stats. like We just don't value it the same way. I think that's a big issue in this, especially as we get towards the second half of the season right now. We really need to focus more on stats. like As you're transitioning in a roto league, Fred, uh, you, know, you said you might have high on saves, but you need steals. Now it comes to the point where on paper, it might not look like you won the trade, but it's a good trade for your team. How do you go about kind of putting one of those trades together, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. It, like, so, yeah, so now I'm not as, like, I'm still worried about value, like, to some degree, um, but, I, but not, not as much. And, you know, like, so if I need something, then I, like, first of all, like, I'm going to look at the standings and see who, who matches me. So I need steals. So I'm going to go see who's high in steals. But it's not necessarily who's hi- also who's high in steals. It could be just who's in a gap in steals it could be the person at the bottom right right where you're, i'm playing, I'm like you're last and you're not catching up to anyone and you have nico goodrum like why don't i just give you something little for nico goodrum who's not useful at all outside of the steals category and and we'll call it a deal um so i try to really expand my mind and think about different people's angles with the whole thing like when they look at their team and try to really see it through their lens and then figure out kind of who i would want which teams could provide that for me. And then, like I said, then I'll think of myself, okay, if I was them, what would I want from me? And then uh, like, uh, if I can, I'll often go to them with multiple options and say, I, I, I want this base stealer. you know, I, I need your whip. I, I'm hoping to get your whip Merrifield. I'll give you one of my, my, here's my three best starters. Who do you want? You know, that kind of thing. Or, or can I give you, this starter. And then can you name a couple hitters from my team that you would take in conjunction with that starter for Whit Merrifield, And we'll try to work it out that way. Um, but I definitely think that, yeah, like the big thing with a trade is what we're really trading for is what the players are going to do from this point forward, great point. not what they've done so far. Um, so it's all in how you look at what they've done so far. I'll give you a great example is I can look at Mark Melanson mm-hmm. and be like, this guy's awesome. I think, he's, I think right now he leads the majors in saves. If he doesn't, he's like second or whatever, but I think he's first. But anyways, I could be like, this guy's awesome. He's like a top tier closer. He leads the majors in saves. He's been awesome this year. And then you could look at him and be like, come on, this guy was like a 25th round pick who kind of stunk last year, Doesn't didn't strike guys out. Like I know he's been on a heater to start this year, but I just don't think that's going to continue in the second half. I don't want to pay full value for Melanson. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's not a fit for you like, let, let's talk something else. Or maybe there's not a trade there, but but let's talk something else. Like, I think he's an example. There's some guys who we like, we all think Vlad Guerrero is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like That's if, you're, if you're trading for Vlad, you're playing you're paying first round price. If you're trading yeah. him away, you're going to get first round price. But there's so much there's so much gray in there. We talked about Chris Bryant. Like look mm-hmm. at Chris Bryant's monthly splits this year. Like, you can say Chris Bryant's been great and I really want him, or you can say Chris Bryant was horrible in June yeah. and I don't want and he's going downhill and now he's hurt and I don't want to have anything to do with him. So, I try to quickly try to help put it in the ball in the other person's court and let let's find out from my roster who you really like. Who you maybe like more than I do?
1: Yeah, that's that's like I said earlier. That's the easiest thing for me. If you come and tell me who you like on my roster, we can start mm-hmm. playing a little quicker because mm-hmm. that, that'll make it a lot easier. You also mentioned something, I think it's very important is like when you need a specific stat, you don't always have to go to the team with the highest amount of that stat total. Maybe go somewhere else or someone's like in fourth place, but they're X amount away from a certain category, and it can help them jump a couple spots and things like that instead of just going all the way to the top situation. When mm-hmm. you're doing that though. Do you ever look at how that might affect some other teams that could jump over you before you make that trade?
2: So I actually don't. And I know some people do. I just find that's like really granular and and there's still half the season left. The uh, one example. So tout wars does allow trades. I think they still do this year all the way to the end of August. Yeah. And which I know was copying the major league. I don't know if they'll ever switch it, but it copied how major leaguers they'd have to pass them through waivers, but they can make trades at the end of August. Um, the end of August is really late. Like there's, and the stats don't even kick in till the following Sunday. Like when the trade that doesn't take effect till then you could make a trade on the last day of August and it doesn't even kick in some years till like September 5th. And there's only like three weeks left in the season. So at that point I might look at how it affects the teams I'm competing with. But at this point in the season, I don't, I'm actually just completely focused on my team and trying to raise my own standings points. And I think, I think explaining to the other owner in an email, it's it's a really tricky balance. You can't write them a thousand words. Yes. Like nobody, nobody wants to read Thank a thousand you. words. But don't tell uh,
1: one, me what's wrong with my team. But like, one uh, good,
2: <laughs> one good. So one good paragraph. One good, well written, polite paragraph explaining that I did actually look at your team and mm-hmm. put some thought into this. Where I'm like, hey, I've noticed that you know you mm-hmm. are you know, in a, in a bit of a chasm with wins and you're also, you know, near the top of the league in strikeouts, I'm looking for a starting pitcher. You seem like a good fit. Would you trade away one of your top three starters? And can you just name some guys on my roster on the hitting side that you think are pretty good? And, 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 then, and then what I'll usually say is if you can do that, if you can give me some hitting names that, that from my team that you like, and you just name one of your top three starters you'd be the most willing to deal, I will put together an offer for you or multiple offers for you. So I'm trying to make it easy on you by writing that paragraph, which means you can't write a thousand words yeah. because you don't want to read a thousand words. But you might read like a hundred or a hundred and fifty and then and then you can just say to me like out of my top three starters I'd be most likely to deal Rodon. And from your team, a couple hitters that I really like are this and this and this. And then and then I'll put try to put together, as I said, multiple offers for you at the same time and be like, okay, here's like two or three offers for Rodon. Like, like do, do any of these ones float your boat? And uh, and sometimes I might, I might just be like, oh, there's a perfect matchup right here. I want Rodon. You want Whit Merrifield. I have extra steals done, you know? Yeah. Um, so I try to, but I try to put as much control in the other person's hands as I can.
1: No, and that ma- that makes a ton of sense. And the the paragraph makes sense because you you know what I'm talking about when you get that diatribe of mm-hmm. your team stinks in all these categories. And I can help you here. It's like that's we're not going to get very far with that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if, if you can at least kind of spell out almost more like give the compliments, your team's doing so well here. You can like you sell it, you sell it type mm-hmm. thing. So. I, know, I'm I'm with you on that one. You're,
2: you're right about putting other people's teams down. You have to really be careful with that mm-hmm. because again, it's all perception. So sometimes yep. I might write something like, Hey, I noticed that you have a need at your middle. Yes. Infield it's all spot. phrasing, all phrasing, right? Like you could, but, and, and then you could come back to me and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think Nick Ahmed's going to have a great second half. Right. And then I'm like, and then I'm just like, okay, that like, I get it. You think yep. Nick Ahmed's going to have a great second half. I don't um he's your middle infielder I thought you might want one of my middle infielders so you could get Ahmed off your start of your starting lineup but you think he's gonna have a great second half and, and it's your team and you might be right like that's the one thing is like I've played fantasy baseball now for I don't know 25 years and I can't like the, like you know this too like you can't even keep track of the amount of times you're wrong
1: no oh, <laughs> right? yeah. like,
2: like the amount of times someone offers you a trade or talks to you about a player and you're like oh I don't want that guy yep. and then the rest of the season he's awesome and yep. you're like, man, why Why did I didn't want that guy? Eh? Like, what was I thinking there? So, so I never get too full of myself and think like, I know your, if you think Nick Ahmed's going to be good the rest of the way, he's yours. Like, go for it. And you might be right. And I might be wrong. So I try not to get yeah too preachy about the other person's team.
1: Yeah, that's the beauty of this game. Uh, we also remember the times we're wrong way more than we're right too. So that's yeah. all, that's always fun as well. But um with, uh, we talked about some injured players earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's not really helping your team in the moment, but say you do have an edge on something. Is that an idea where you go and trade for guys that are coming back in like a couple weeks?
2: Yeah, you, you could for sure. Um, I can give you an example in the tout NL league. I think two weeks ago I traded Keston Hira and some fab money for Steven Strasberg. Mm-hmm. And now it to mixed leagues, that would sound like really imbalanced, but the truth is in an NL league, like hitters who are playing every day, have like a fair amount of value because we all have guys in our lineup who aren't playing every day, but I have hitting access ex- and Hira you know, was supposed to be good, but he hasn't been good at all. Um, and the Strasburg owner was just kind of frustrated and kind of done and needed hitting. So I took, I thought to myself, like I'm never getting a good starter like Steven Strasburg, who's healthy for Keston here and some fab. So I, I will take the risk that maybe Strasburg doesn't even pitch this year. We'll see. Or that he's terrible when he comes back. We'll see. But I'll take the risk and get that injured player to discount. Now, Scott Pianowski has all, has taught me over the years that you have to be, I I am sometimes guilty of getting too optimistic on injured players. Like just seeing Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez and being like, let's go. These guys are coming back and they're going to be studs. And it doesn't happen all the time. But, but yeah, I don't mind sometimes taking a chance on an injured player. You can mathematically try to figure out, right? Like you can do that. Like, you can try to mathematically figure out what you think you would get out of Eloy Jimenez, say from August 10th on what you can get from a replacement value player from now till August 10th and compare that to what you're giving up. It's not an exact science, but you can try to do that.
1: Yeah. It's the whole idea. It's you could even non injured players that are just performing poorly. Yes. Like I'm going to buy low type thing. Like, here we yes. go. Let's see what happens. Cause we're seeing it this year is a lot of us had the 60 game brain early on and we're all in yep. full panic mode but we're seeing guys that you know hey slow starts and they're starting to get it going now and it's a long season so uh we still have about a little less than three months to go here so it'll it'll be interesting to see how things play out but i think that was a fun little uh exercise there to get people some ideas on trading because it's it's tough it's really really tough it's not for everybody but um i know i've heard about your success with it in the past so i wanted to pick your brain on that one it's uh and it's helped you win. That's one of the big reasons I wanted to pick your brain on that scenario. Um, before we get to the fact or fiction portion of the show, I do want to ask you a, a real life trade situation. Since you are a Jays fan, they've been linked to Richard Rodriguez quite a bit. Um, what do you think that does to Jordan Romano?
2: I think Romano could still close if they if they get Rodriguez. Or I think they could just like stay fluid in the bullpen like i don't think romano would be a drop if they got rodriguez but it's it's like it's not great for him i i thought mary uh mary whether i should say could have returned now he's at a setback but had he returned in july i think he could have gotten the ninth inning picture too so i could see if rodriguez comes the jays just saying they've always used romano a lot in the eighth like i could see them just saying we're just kind of going day to day like the freshest guy out of the two of them the freshest guy is going to get the meat of the order if that's the eighth, it's the eighth. If it's the ninth, it's the ninth or like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it could be bad for both players value if Rodriguez does end up with the Jays. That being said, I don't, I think Rodriguez could end up on the Jays. Like it fits. I don't think it's anything close to a certainty though. I think people, the Jays bullpen's just been so bad lately and the offense has been so good that people like to link the two of them. Um But man, like there's gotta be, a dozen teams out there who need bullpen help and think they're contenders. So I could easily see the Jays going more the bulk reliever route. Like they've already added Adam Simber and Trevor Richards. Like I can see them just continuing going in that direction and um, just getting two more kind of blah guys and leaving Romano at the back end and not paying more to get Rodriguez.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Makes a darn lot of sense. All right, let's do some factor fiction. I'm calling it factor fiction because there's all kinds of goofy names that are used for this uh, scenario, but it's basically players that had good first halves. I, mean, I did. There could have been many more that we talked about, and uh, basically, do you think they'll continue on in the second half, or like, is it still going to be good, not good enough? Like, what's your thoughts on these players in the second half? And I'll start with one of the Toronto Blue Jays because they've had a lot of great performances this first half, and that's Marcus Simeon, who the A's slapped in the face with their offer so the Toronto Blue Jays gladly grabbed him and signed him he's hitting 282 with 21 homers 10 stolen bases in the first half he has been a phenomenal leadoff hitter like there was a point when they thought he was just there until Springer came back and now it's like no he's just going to stay there now um I don't think we can expect well maybe maybe you do I don't think we can expect 20 home runs in the second half but what's your thoughts on Marcus Simeon like fantasy wise going forward
2: yeah he's going to tail off a bit at the same time Uh, like that lineup is just so good that he's going to, he's gonna He's going to still be really valuable. Um, like I think he's been a top 10 player so far. Like I don't see that happening in the second half, but so he's got 21 homers so far. I think he could hit 13 in the second half from this point forward, 14, and then steal. He's got 10 steals. I don't see him stealing 10 more, but I could see him stealing six more. Um, you know, he's hitting 282. I can see him hitting 262, 270. Um, but it's the it's the counting stats that are gonna keep propping him up. Like if he can get 50 more runs and 40 more RBIs, like that's the thing. And that lineup, as long as long as he stays in the leadoff spot, like he's golden, like to score runs. Like he could lead the majors and run scored from this point forward. And I don't think it would be that surprising just because the Jays score so many runs. And and if he ever does move out of the leadoff spot, which I, I'm starting to think he won't, but if he ever does. It's probably going to be to fourth or fifth. Like, it's probably not going to be the eighth. So, he's he's in pretty good shape the rest of the way. Like, he he's a guy who, if I had him, like, I would I would not be looking to move him.
1: Would you rather have Marcus Simeon or Jake Cronenworth the rest of the season? Oh, Simeon for sure. Okay. to me, to Simeon sure. for sure. Yeah, the yeah, C- C- Cronenworth hype is like I love Cronenworth, but I just wanted to like I looked yeah. at the stat line and Cronenworth's fine, but he's only got twelve homers and four steals. So, that's uh, like he he seems like he's always doing something every night, but you look at the grand scheme of things, and it's not quite the same. Um, Cedric Mullins—he's just been absolutely outstanding. There's not a whole lot else to say besides yeah. three, sixteen, sixteen homers, fifteen stolen bases. He's doing it all. He's only striking out less than twenty percent of the time, which you don't see with a lot of guys. He gave up switch hitting, which has helped him a ton. It's like it's a heck of a tear to do it in the second half. But what do you think?
2: Yeah, I love him. I uh, like same as, as different, similar, but different, I guess, than Simeon. Like, I don't know if he can keep this pace up, yeah. but I like, I love everything about what he's doing so far. The, the steals are legit. Like, he had seven and mm-hmm. 140 at bats last year. So, like, his steals pace this year is just basically a steals pace from last year, just with more playing time. So, it's just that he's, he's hitting so much better, but he's a speedy player. So, it's fair to think that he could have a decently high bat If it's 358 so far, like, I don't know if he keeps that up, but if he could hit 290, the rest of the way, two ninety-five. Um, I, I think this will. I think this will keep going, and I don't think teams. Like they'll they'll pitch around him a little bit, but I don't think they'll pitch around him a ton. Like the Orioles suck, and like teams are gonna score runs on them. I don't think they need to pitch around him. True. He's gonna hit lead off. They've got maybe at least a competent enough group behind him. I don't mm-hmm. think teams are gonna pitch around to the point of wanting to walk him and then have him steal second. I just and I also think the Orioles are gonna meet a lot of lopsided losses where he's gonna be facing just some bulk relievers there to eat innings. He can get hits and home runs off these guys when they're losing seven to two in the seventh and they, they, for fantasy, they all count. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still fully in on Mullins.
1: Yeah. I like Mullins quite a bit. So I don't know if the power will be completely there with the steals. Like you said, it's legit. I don't see the average being too much, like maybe 300s. Like you said, so I think he's very, very good. And Camden yards plays very live. So he's going to be able to have his fun there in, in the summertime. No questions about that. Now this one could definitely go the other way. Brandon Crawford is having an amazing year. All-star year has 17 home runs, seven stolen bases, walking almost 11% of the time. He's been great. Now, he made a mechanical adjustment, so that's at least part of the reason we're seeing power, but it's still pretty crazy thinking this, like, early, like, 32, 33-year-old all of a sudden figured it out. What do you think about him in the second half?
2: Yeah, I think – The contract year thing's really interesting. Um, You know, I know it's not usually a thing, but it sometimes once in a while it is Anthony Rendon is a great example of a guy who just went bananas in his contract year. The Crawford's not at that level of player, but uh, you know, Rendon's an example. Like if you, if you took him in only in his contract year, you got the best year he'll ever have in his career. Uh, I think I think Crawford's though, a little over his skis right now, but the fact that the Giants lineup is so productive like helps him a lot. Um, I have some Crawford in a few leagues, and I wasn't expecting this, but I was expecting him to just be an accumulator. He's one of the only guys on that team who plays every day. Uh, right. Cause there, as you would know, as a fan, like they're so platoon heavy, but he plays a lot. And I think just being playing a lot in an offense that's surprisingly productive. I think if that lineup can keep up the productivity the rest of the way, then that will mean a ton for him. So my stance on Crawford is like, I think he'll tail off a bit, but if you own Crawford in a trading league, I don't think you're still going to get enough for him to make it worth it. Like, I think he'd be better off to just ride it out and hope that he actually does, does something like this the rest of the way. Like, I, I really don't think anyone's giving you like a slumping Francisco Lindor or something for yeah. Brandon Crawford. Like, I don't, I don't think you're getting that for him.
1: No, you're not. And like, you could probably still get, you know, 10 to 12 home runs the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe more if you really didn't make this mechanical change. That's that legit. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ballpark is playing livelier. Uh, I noticed they said the uh, archways were open when I was there they're like cracked open. They're not what they used to be. So it was a big like, oh, so they're still closed, basically. So that makes sense. And then um, he's running, too. I, I, I kind of think that might slow down an older guy as the season goes on. That might slow down a little bit. But like you said, his gloves there. He's a guy I used to pick up in 15 team leagues all the time off the wire when I needed middle infield help just because he's going to play every day, like you said. So I like him. And you, you hit on the biggest part that I was going to ask you about is, You're not going to get him for his production price right now. That's the tough part. So uh, that makes things really, 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 really tricky. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last hitter we have on the sheet here, Jonathan Scope, 16 home runs so far, hitting 273, and to me, only striking out 21% of the time is not bad for Jonathan Scope. So this is another guy that could easily be traded and change everything. But if you have Jonathan Scope, what do you think going forward?
2: Well, first you pray that he's not traded. (laughs) that's the first thing i've always felt like so everybody will get excited about someone like scope who's overachieving and they'll be like oh this would be amazing if he gets traded to a contender my stance usually on guys who are overachieving is can we please just leave them alone just don't change anything leave them in the same uniform in the same park in the same spot the same batting lineup and hope he can just ride this the rest of the way uh what's cool about scope is i feel like he's always been an underrated option um he 's usually about a twenty five homer guy like like the previous couple of years like like last year he only hit eight, but he didn't play a ton. Uh, if, if you extrapolate that, his at bats last year out to like a full season, he's a 25 homer guy the previous two seasons, 21 and 23, and those were in like about 125 games. Like he's a 25 homer guy. This year, he's more like a 30 homer guy, but we're really kind of splitting hairs. He's a 260 career hitter who's hitting 273 this year. Again, like he's a little bit over his skis, but we like we saw him with Baltimore once hit 32 homers and drive in 105 runs. Like, Scope is an underrated middle infielder because I find middle infield is now really deep and he doesn't run and he's typically not special in any area. So just the thought of getting a 25, 23 home or second baseman who hits 260 or 265 doesn't really get anyone excited. Um, but I think it's very similar to the Brandon Crawford thing. I think I, I would rather have Crawford the rest of the way for yeah. sure. But it's very similar. You're not going to get anything from Scope, so you might as well just ride this out. But if if I own Scope, I'm really hoping the Tigers don't trade him.
1: Yeah, because they trade him, like you said, he might not play every day. So that'll (laughs) that'll really make things bad. But um, yeah, you made some good points about uh, he's kind of been this guy. And one thing he said is, I know I wrote about it, and probably many others, you might have done it yourself, as like a late-round middle-infield sleeper. Like he was going so late in drafts. But then I got preaches more to the fact of how deep it is, like you are saying, that you just don't mm. need to go that deep type deal. But he's always there every season, and he's always that guy. Like if yep. you need late power, Jonathan Scope's sitting there. So um, it's almost like if you could try to go grab him from someone who thinks maybe he's hit his peak, that might be the angle to go for. But
2: yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so too, who just doesn't value him. I mean, if you go back and look at his career, he had those two really good seasons with Baltimore. Like the one was ridiculous, but yeah. the other season, like and when I say good, I mean fantasy good. Like he mm-hmm. had one with 25 homers, 82 runs, and 82 RBIs. That's a really nice fantasy season from a depth player. I think one thing that maybe uh downgrades scope in fantasy is that he's not he's more he's the opposite of Anthony Rendon. He's more valuable and fantasy than real life, and teams don't really value him. Like Baltimore was happy to walk away from him. He had a 720 OPS, and Baltimore was rebuilding, and they walked away from him. And then he came to Milwaukee, and he stunk. So then they moved him, or sorry, sorry so then they didn't play him too much, and um, and then let him go. And then the Twins had him for a year, and he was fine, but they didn't really seem to care, so they let him go. And now he's on Detroit, and uh, you know, and Detroit's not much of a, of a name team. So I think the fact that he's kind of floated around the majors sometimes maybe gets fantasy owners thinking like this guy's just not very valuable. Teams don't really care about him. But when you step back, he's only 29. Like yeah. he turns he'll turn 30 during the postseason. So uh like this is someone who should be in his in his hitting prime and, and is kind of performing at that level. And like like I was kind of saying earlier, like if someone's performing maybe like just like 10 or 15% better than they usually do, but it's noticeable, um I, I think the best plan of action at that point is just to ride it out.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And lastly, is he's also now playing first base a lot. So he's got first base, second base eligibility, yeah. which goes even farther. Really nice. Uh, two quick pitchers to hit on. Carlos Rodon is pitching out of his mind. 130 Ks in like 90 innings pitched, a near 29% K to walk. The ERAs, the FIPS, the X-FIPS, they're all checking the boxes right now. I guess it's just always the injury concern and maybe a limited innings potential. So what do you think about Rodon going to the second half?
2: Yeah, yeah, he he's great. The injury, or sorry, I, for me, it's not the injuries, although it could happen. It could happen to anyone, right? Like, sure. like trying sure. to trying to figure out which pitcher is going to get hurt next is is probably like like futile. So, for me, it's more the innings and how many innings they're going to let him throw. Especially a team who thinks they're going to be should I think will play in October. They would I'm sure like to have him for some October starts. If they could start to put the rest of that division way behind them, could they start spacing his starts out in September? to limit the innings and having skipping some starts or having him kind of start like once a week in September, or, you know, and more like, like, like once every seven or eight days, that kind of thing. And then could fantasy owners get kind of caught in the wash there where he's not quite as valuable as they think, that, but that's kind of splitting hairs. Like, yeah. like if you need, if you have him and you need him, what do you like? Like you can't get rid of him because he might miss two or three starts the rest of the way, but he's like, he's at basically at 90 innings. If I had to guess, 165 maybe he finishes at something like that 160 so they slow him down a little bit um where i i could see a trade window this is how i always try to think of these things outside the box rodon was kind of found money like you didn't draft okay. him as your ace he didn't even draft him as one of your top five or six so if you have rendon rodon sorry if you have rodon and a, another good Pitcher or two, and there's one of them who you're looking to move for hitting help. He might be the guy I would move True. because of the inning, the innings pitch concern. So if I had him in Woodruff, I might move him over Woodruff for just for that for that reason. If you know if I had him in Scherzer, I might move him over Scherzer. And I think you could get a lot for him because there's got to be teams out there. Again, if you needed pitching help, oh, just go get him. And yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're stuck and you really need pitching help, just go get him and, and worry about the innings later.
1: No, that's a great point. Like you, you mentioned, the innings, that he'll probably get. That's at least 12 or 13 potentially more starts, depending on how deep he goes. Uh, the strikeouts aren't going anywhere. He might give up a few home runs. The strikeouts aren't going anywhere. So that's a good one. And another lefty that you get to watch every fifth day is Robbie Ray. And it's like you're either team Robbie Ray or your team never Robbie Ray. And that's just been – he's just because he's burned so many people in the past. But that was due to walks, which he has under control so far this season. The ERA and the XFIP check really nicely. Strikeouts are there as always with Robbie Ray. Are you a believer in this continuing in the second half?
2: Yeah, I am actually. It's a really cool story because the Jays, like when nobody wanted him at the start of the trade deadline last year, the Jays wanted him. Like his, it was his walks, his walks per nine with Arizona last year was an even 9.0, which is just like insane. Like when it's four, we're not happy. When it's five, we're disgusted. His was nine, Nine. which (laughs) is ridiculous. And then the Jays got him and it was 6.1. That's still horrible. Like for most pitchers, that's a career worst mark. And then the Jays is before we even got to free agency, they went out and signed him. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like what is the plan here, Blue Jays? Like, the, like, I'm going to pull my hair out every time this guy starts. And the best I could come up with is maybe they had a plan to kind of piggyback him and have him throw four innings, something like that, and then bring a righty in behind him and, and mess with teams that way. But that wasn't it. Like they had a plan to fix his control issues and they've done it. And, and, and they've impressive. got it uh, yeah it's like it's super impressive so um i think ray is an interesting guy to trade for right now uh in the sense of also he was a little bit of found like rodon he was kind of found money the teams who drafted him drafted him as like their sp6 mm-hmm. or something like that 567 so they've gotten a ton out of them uh specifically i think if you need strikeouts he's One of the only guys, if you look at the strikeout leaderboard, who's not going to cost you like ace or number two starter like trade return. I think you could get Ray in some leagues reasonably, and that could be your window to try to move up in in the strikeouts category. And you know what? If you're sitting in fourth in your league and you're like, hey, I need to move up in strikeouts to move up in the standings, and you get Ray and all of a sudden his control issues just pop right back up, um, then you got burned. Like you took a chance. And you got burned. As I always say, if you lose a trade, they're not going to take your house from you. They're not going to take your kids from you. Anything like that. But but I mean, when you go back and look at Ray, he also, he walked nine batters in his first two starts. Yep. So he has this amazing walk, walks per nine, even with that. Like since then, I, I, I'm sure I haven't done the math on it, but he'd be under two walks per nine. Um, it's remarkable what they've been able to do with him. And he's faced lots of the big boys, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays. Like he's faced them and he's done well against all of them. So, so I'm a believer. And I, yeah. I was a bit of a never Ray guy going into the season.
1: Yeah, I, I've been, I've fallen into the trap of drafting him once in a while. It always burned me, so I didn't this year. And of course, he goes well. But I took those two starts out, and he has a one six one walk per nine. Yeah, outside of those two, he has a twenty eight point nine K to walk the rest is on those games. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, all right, couple listener questions real quick, and we'll head on out of here. Shorts on sports asks not. Sh- or, uh, he's thinking about trading for John Means, but he's been out since before the crack of dawn. Thoughts if he's really good going forward, or if what we saw was enhanced by something sticky?
2: Hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll never, we won't know yeah. <laughs> until we he comes know. back. Unfortunately, like I don't have any spies inside the Orioles clubhouse, so we will not know. Uh, I would say my stance on trading for means if I, you're talking about an injured pitcher who, who people liked going into the season, but has performed like way above expectations, um, you want a significant discount. If you can get a significant discount and it's worth rolling the dice at that point, like if you can trade from an area of your surplus and get a significant discount, then sure, go for it. You're also talking about a pitcher on a team that is, could finish last in the majors this year. So, and play and teams typically play a lot of divisional games down the stretch. And the Yankees, who are quite good, are arguably the fourth best team in that division. So, like, he's going to draw a lot of tough matchups. Now, if he could pitch like he did earlier this season, he could win some games. But if he goes last season, 10 starts, two wins. And, like, that, that was when he had a four and a half ERA. Like, if he comes back and he goes back to the old John Means of a four ERA and he makes 10 starts, he's only on the Orioles, he's only winning two or three of those games.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm with you there. It's, it's tough to tell. Very, very tough yeah. to tell. So I'd rather speculate elsewhere type
2: thing. Probably. Like, it'd yeah. have to be a really good discount.
1: And then at D Silva 1205 asks, wondering about speculative relief pitcher ads with trade season coming. Example, Tapera, Chafin or weak with Kimbrell likely to be traded. So are there any teams you're kind of speculating on ahead of time with guys potentially getting traded?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think I think Tapera is interesting that Kimbrel could get traded. I know Buster Olney's been putting that rumor out there. Um, uh, Anthony Bender is interesting right now. Uh, he's been pitching really well, and there's a lot of Yumi Garcia trade rumors. Now, I don't think Bender would for sure be the closer. It could be Bass, but Bass could get traded. Um, but it could be Bass or someone like that. Um, uh, Mike Mayers in, on the Angels yep. is an interesting one if they trade Rizal Iglesias, although I'm not 100%. I think the Angels should sell. They should, yeah. But it's because the AL is so polarized. Like, there's so many good teams and so many bad teams in the AL, whereas the NL is a little more clustered. Mm -hmm. Um, From the Angels' perspective, though, man, you have Otani doing something that's, like, never been done before. You've got Trout coming back. you potentially got Rendon coming back. Like, maybe you don't buy, but you don't sell, and you at least just give this team a chance to go on a heater and try to catch up. It's not going to happen. I don't think it would be a good plan, but I just, they've wasted so many seasons of trout. like, like what if trout comes back and has like a 1200 OPS in the second half, 1100 say OPS in the second half, 1100 OPS from trout wouldn't be that crazy. And then Otani keeps doing what he's doing. And then by August Rendon's back. And then all of a sudden your lineup's really good. And I don't know. I just, it would be hard to waste another trout season with Otani crushing it. So maybe they don't trade Iglesias. Maybe they just sit tight and just don't get what that, unless they get something really good for Iglesias. So the one, the one thing that like you can look at, like who would close for the Marlins if they trade Garcia, who would close for the pirates if they trade Rodriguez, we have seen some of these really bad teams in recent years, just got the entire bullpen. Exactly. And the trade is Garcia gets traded Bass gets traded. Like, it, you know, they just got the whole thing. And so then the speculative guy you were, you were holding, I'm holding, maybe I'm holding Mike Mayers in case, Rizel Iglesias gets traded and then they trade both of them yep. in separate deals. So, and then I'm like, oh, but, but it's worth taking shots on these guys right now, especially because this year has been like epically bad for finding closers on the waiver wire. Um, te- teams are going to committees when they, when their closer screws up or gets hurt, they're going to committees instead of a new closer.
1: Yeah. It's been very, very tough. The only other one I would add uh, if the Mariners do trade Graveman, Paul yep. Sewell would be one yep. to, uh, to definitely take a, take a peek at. But yep. Frank, I appreciate it. It's been a, a, a lot of Fred. Sorry, Frank. That's okay. Sorry, I, get involved, so
2: I get that happens to me all the time. It is interesting, but going through life as a Fred and there are not a lot of us out there anymore. It used to be a common name. It's not really anymore. Uh, I get a Frank often. So I don't know why, <laughs> but it pops up in people's heads all the time. Yeah. I just had someone email me the other day and they were like, like, hey, Frank. And it's not <laughs> someone I know well, but someone who I had corresponded with. So it happens. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: I apologize, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. I look forward to uh, hopefully doing it again sometime. Yeah, and sure. uh, before we sign out, plug everything again. Let everybody know where they can find you.
2: Yeah, for sure. So you can follow me at Twitter uh, at Fred Zinke MLB. Uh, I make sure I post you know all my articles and podcasts and things like that there. And I try to do a good job of answering questions. Uh, you know, of anyone who has, you know has, should I drop this guy? Should I sit this guy? Should I make this trade? Um, I love playing along with other people's trades. So you can always send me your trade questions, and I'll try to help you there.
1: Awesome. Yeah, everybody go check him out. You probably already do if you're listening to the show. But uh, Fred, as always, thanks. And everybody, this was Bench The Bubba, episode 385 with Fred Zinke of Yahoo Fantasy and Rota Wire. Catch you guys later.